Hello, this is Michael Stone, the host of We Earth Radio, where we have conversations that make a difference. We're committed to bringing you leading edge thinkers in the areas of environmental restoration, social justice, conscious evolution, and spiritual fulfillment. In our programs, we look for positive solutions to local and global issues that leave you touched, moved, and inspired to action. Our weekly guests include local and global experts and concerned citizens working together to heal the wounds that separate, alienate, and marginalize people. Welcome to We Earth Radio. This is your host, Michael Stone, and I'm thrilled to have my friend Kyle Cease on today. He is, well, he's a lot of fun to be with, and sometimes some really profound stuff comes out of his mouth. After over 20 years of achieving uh, what he thought was his dreams of being a headlining, touring comedian and actor, Kyle suddenly discovered that the belief, when something happens, I'll be happy, is a complete lie. Following the calling of his heart, he decided to quit his stand-up career at its peak, and now, as a transformational comedian and New York Times best-selling author of I Hope I Screw This Up and The Illusion of Money, he brings his one-of-a-kind wisdom to sold-out audiences around the world and reaches millions online. Hey, Kyle. Welcome. So good to be with you, bud. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm sure you will say something profound along the way. Yeah, so, you have 40 minutes in, so yeah. <laughs> fast forward. Are you wearing a t-shirt that says love is still the answer? There you go. You don't have to have any struggle over that now. We've already said the most important thing, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the goal. Right? <laughs> so how are you doing? You're down in LA. Everybody's on lockdown. It's a lot of craziness around COVID-19, a lot of fear. Let's start out talking about the fear that people are experiencing and the challenge and yeah. the uncertainty that everybody's dealing with. What's your... What's your take on this? There's obviously an infinite amount of ways to see what's going on, which is really important to just remember, is that the only reason we're stressed is the way we're seeing it, right? The lens that we're looking at this through. To some people, this means the loss of certainty as far as income. To some people, this means the loss of a specific relationship, like if you're quarantined during a long distance one, or, or you were quarantined with the wrong person, you might be like, well, I'm done with you. A lot of things are happening that are just changing your ego's pattern, right? And, and these things often being changed reveal something that usually is like the big thing that you're scared of, right? So to give you an example, I know someone who has a deep-rooted fear of being seen as worthless based on his childhood. And he associates worthiness as, are you bringing in money? Right. So now he actually is unable to make money, which in his mind puts him into the worst, most horrified fear there is of of being seen as worthless. Now, it's not true that he's worthless, but he feels that way. Now, why this is so profound is that the biggest fear we all have, whether it's I'm scared to feel completely alone, I'm scared to feel shamed, I'm scared to feel guilty, I'm scared to feel lost or broke or whatever. We're all getting to experience it. So that fear is gone because it's out there. It's happening, 
right? So what this does is it's just taking away our ability to hide the things that we have hidden in us that we're really scared of and it puts them out in the open. It says, I'm scared of being, feeling alone. I'm scared of feeling this thing. Well, now you have to see it. And guess what? You'll, you'll discover you're still alive while you see it. You'll discover that you're still here because we associate that thing would equal death. So one of the things that you can see is this is an opportunity for us to let go of our biggest, deepest fear of all time. It's, I don't have the job to hide from me my fear of being worthless or broke. I don't have the, the, you know, the specific story or the guarantee in the future that, that protects me from having to feel a specific emotion. So now that thing is being exposed. And then once that's released, we've never got to see what life is like on the other side of that. What life is like after you've released that. What life is like when you don't have your deepest, darkest, biggest fear suddenly held, it's suddenly released. What could happen to you? So one of the things people do a lot in this time also is they notice the world's waking up, people are shifting. There's no question that's true. It's very, very, very exciting. But what I also wanna ask everyone is, what are you doing with this? In other words, are we focusing on what everyone else is doing as just a way enough to be complacent in how we are, to look at that and go, oh, the world's waking up so I don't have to actually do anything. I can feel good knowing that the world's changing around me, yes. But it, that's also like being like, I can keep eating ice cream because everyone else is going to the gym. And it's like, well, yeah, but you still have to contribute and go, what's my emotional workout? What's my soul expansion? What's my highest version of myself? So for me, what I'm doing in this time, we're recording this near the end of April 2020 when we're all in the, the deepest you know, time of being quarantined. I am really enjoying right now for me, it's expansion for me to spend at least three, usually four hours, completely uninterrupted. Meaning like, there's an intelligence that beats my heart, that, that um, you know, knows what to do with my cells. And I believe that that same energy is trying really hard to purge our old story. Your old story that doesn't serve you. Stuff that is addictive and annoying. And our problem is, we're always doing the stuff to fuel that addictive pattern. So. What I find is by just listening to silence and having no phone, no internet, no person to talk to even, no, even, even content, even books, right? Of course we need our books and we need our information, but there's also a level of listening to the silence that wants to kind of upgrade you and take you to a higher version of yourself. And one of the first things it does is it takes out an old pattern that doesn't serve you. And if you think that pattern's you, you freak out and try to keep it in. That's why when we start feeling any slight pain, we go to the internet or we go to some type of distraction so we don't have to feel this. But a huge opportunity is trying to happen here. And it's beautiful. That's, that's amazing. It's awesome. And in that context, I want to go back to fear for a second, because you and I have talked about this before, sure. that what we're afraid of is never really what we're afraid of. It's something right. from the past. Right. And that this opportunity of, as you're saying now, the fear coming up is like a portal or an opportunity for healing into a, a sense of wholeness and connecting with 
our higher selves. Yes. So this will be probably controversial, but I'll tell you that from my own inner research, there's two types of fight or flights you can be in. One is you're actually in life or death danger. There's a tiger chasing you. Someone's got a gun to your head. That requires true fight or flight, right? You need to fight or run. That's how fight or flight works, right? But we also have a fight or flight in our body about things that aren't this second, about things that are just a, like you go into fight or flight if someone talks crap about you. You can go into fight or flight if you think I'm not gonna pay rent in three weeks. These are not true fight or flight things, right? And what I'm finding is that the news and, and different things in the world trigger something. And I swear to God, everything I'm seeing, it's not actually that thing that scares you. It's not what everyone's saying about you. It's not what the news said. It's not what's going to happen. It's triggering a pattern that exists in your body. And the analogy that I really like to use is, you ever get, you get like a watch or an iPhone and maybe a few months in, you notice a little bubble on the screen and, and, and you realize there's like a piece of film here, right? And you're like, oh God, like, like there's a cellophane I can pull off. Like the watch looks even better than this and you pull the thing off, okay, that little piece of film, you didn't know was there. And then at one point, like a bubble shows up or a wrinkle and you see the entire thing that's gonna come off. That same thing exists in our body. Like there's like a, it's almost the equivalent of the cellophane thing that gets triggered. That's the thing that's trying to be pulled out of you, right? So let's say you're sad because you're, you feel totally broke. You might think that it's about being broke, but it could be that you associate broke to not enoughness in your childhood or you're going to be abandoned. So it's triggering something in your body. Now, as I listen to silence for four hours a night, I'm forced to see all of my little cellophane plasticky things that are not me. And when I listen long enough, they end up kind of peeling themselves off and eventually you got like like it's like almost all the way off and it's just a little bit there and you listen to silence a little longer and then it releases it and you start to realize you're the really beautiful watch that's under that piece of plastic cellophane and what gets triggered is the cellophane what gets triggered is the small star what gets triggered is this false you so this is really profound because because i'm discovering for me the longer I listen to silence, and just don't interrupt it. Might sound extreme, but all I'm doing is not picking up the phone or the internet or a book or playing a bunch of music or watching a movie for four hours straight. That's all I'm doing. Everyone's like, that's so extreme. I'm like, well, you're gonna spend it checking your phone a hundred times. So what's extreme here? And what, what you end up with is the removal of that plastic and a connection to source every day that's bigger and bigger. Yeah, I just had this image of, of that cellophane falling off. It's, it's like a scab, really. And it's an interesting metaphor because if we have a cut, if we pick at it and keep trying to get it to fix, it'll never heal. In fact, it'll get infected and we'll lose our arm or whatever we're picking at. But if we allow it to just heal, it heals. And I think that's the same, not just for the body, but for the emotions that we have an emotion and, and until we can really allow it to be and love it and feel it and even explore it and see you know what the content is 
that yeah. there's uh, a healing we don't have to fix because there's really nothing broken. How much more addictive would it be to pick at a scab if your entire life you've picked at it? Now, it doesn't mean that the arm won't heal the exact same amount of time in the same few days. But imagine you're born into a world where everyone picks their scabs 24 hours a day and you have, since you formed memory, been picking at your scab, even though you're four or five days away from this cut healing all the time. If you spent every waking moment picking the scab, i.e. checking your phone every time you feel an emotion, going online, you know, distracting yourself, you'd be like, it's such hell to not pick the scab for four days. And I'm like, yeah, but you're going to heal. And yeah, but I can't, I got to find all the reasons why I can't heal. Like I might be broke if I heal. You might be the most highest sought after person because you're the only one that healed yourself. Mm. Yeah, but you know, I can't, I don't have time to heal. You don't have time to not. You've been picking your scab for 50 years. Yeah, I'd love to, but that's what we're like. Is like we are addictively picking the scab. Every time we check what's going on somewhere other than here, every time we're fixing our someone's vision of us or our reputation, all of these things are us picking the scab. And life has got the scab. It's going to heal you. It's got it. But if you had been born picking the scab and your dad says you're nothing unless you pick the scab, and your mom is like <clears throat> only picked her scab and their grandparents did. And in the great depression, everyone in the world picked scabs to stay alive. You'd be like eventually that's the training, but that still doesn't mean that you're not five days away from being fully healed. Mm. I love, I love that you call it the training. Um, I don't know if you've seen this, but if you haven't, you got to check it out, Kyle. There is a video that one of my students sent me called The Backwards Bicycle. Have you seen this? I haven't. Check it out. So this engineer, his, his welder friends took a bicycle and it was a really good bicycle. And the only thing they changed was they put some gears in the front. So whenever you turned the handlebars to the right, the bicycle went to the left and, and this guy got on and thought, well, I can learn how to ride this. It took him eight months before he could ride this bicycle. So the neural pathways, mm -hmm. like for balance, were so ingrained, but he kept going and he kept experiencing it and balance. You can't learn by information. But the, the other part that was ironic was <laughs> he was in, then he was in Holland, he'd been riding this bicycle eight months, he could finally ride it. He got videoed, he was riding this perfectly. And he tried to get on a bicycle and he couldn't ride a regular bicycle. Right, regular one. But not right. It took him two more months to reclaim his ability <laughs> to ride that bicycle. Isn't you that how, but isn't that what we're talking about yeah. when we're talking about these ingrained patterns and how meditation and contemplation allows us to not change it, but create the conditions for it to change itself by right. being completely present. Yeah. And this is even easier than that, because this is not you having to change your pattern. This is just you not screwing with the pat. Like, it'll do it. Yeah. It'd yeah. be like if all you had to do was sit down, and in eight months, it knew how to ride the bike for you. One of the things that came up for me was this, this um, chasing after, something you wrote about in your last book, The Illusion of Money, mm -hmm. how 
we chase for money and for fame and for everything, but it's never it. Whenever we get there, it's always something more. So the question I have really and wanted to share with our audience is, what is it we're really chasing when we're chasing money because it's never it or fame or love or all these different things? What has us chase things? Right. The truth is, the truth is in my eyes that chasing money is a great way to avoid your soul. Right. Like, and I'm not saying don't have money, but I'm saying instead, the more you're connected to your soul and you do that inner work and you let the scabs heal, as the analogy has been formed here, as you let those scabs heal, you make yourself receptive to bigger abundance. So for instance, let's say you have a family that grew up poor and you have trained yourself that for the last 10 years, you make minimum wage. This is who I am, okay? And then you picture what you're gonna make next year and you picture that it's gonna be more. Even if you come up with a number that's more, you're probably still going to incorporate the false story of your past, what you've made. <clears throat> so you might go, I make 15 an hour. Next year, I'm going to make 17 an hour. Yeah, but you're also God. You're also the energy that made Oprah Winfrey and it made Mr. Rogers and it made Gandhi and Martin Luther King. So if you think who you are is the pattern then you are going to be very limited in what you get. And when people go to chase something, they're often stopping themselves from receiving it. If you've ever pictured being on a date with someone that was chasing you, you know what it feels like. When they're saying, you're the source of my happiness, you're what makes me happy, you're what completes me, you understand that there's a pressure on you, there's a burden, there's all this other stuff. There's basically the declaration that they're not complete. You know, people say money equals security, money equals freedom. Just by saying that, you're saying, I don't equal freedom. I don't equal security, right? So imagine you're, you know, someone's on a date with you and ask yourself what you would want in a date. You'd probably want someone who understands that they're complete and probably doesn't need you addictively to become something to make them happy. You probably don't want someone who says you need to be more than you are. Like, I love you as you are. You probably don't want someone who says you're the root of all evil, right? Well, guess what? It's the same with money. If money's on a date with you and you're saying stuff like you're never enough, which you might be saying to your, about your bank account. If you're on a date with money and, and you say, you know, I'm going to use you to get someone to like me. Um, you're the root of all evil. Money's the root of all evil. People that say money's the root of all evil weirdly have a hard time making money. Well, that's because I heard someone say this once, money heard you, right? And so when we're chasing something, we're saying, I don't, I'm not worthy of it. If you want something, you're not ready for it. You got to get into an alignment where you're ready for it. So often we're out chasing things, chasing things, chasing things. And you're someone who's trying to bring your, let's say you have encoded in your body that all you are is someone who makes 20,000 a year. This is just using money to give a literal, a, a measurable example. And then you go out and chase $20 million. Yeah, but who you are is someone who's trained yourself that you get love for making 20,000 a year. So if you get 20 million, you're going to have to sabotage this. 
because it's death to the story of you that says I get love from my parents by being broke. I get love from my friends by complaining. It's death to every pattern that you thought you are. And that's why a lot of lotto winners go broke is because the second they get it, it's death. It's way too big. They can't handle how big it is. It's the death of the story of someone that truly is able to receive the abundance of the moment. What I believe is in my three, four hours a night experiment where I'm connecting the source, <clears throat> I receive the abundance of the moment. In other words, the first thing it does is it clears out the patterns that want to pick the scabs. Well, then it heals things, right? So then you feel connected to yourself. The more connected to yourself you feel, the more you don't feel you need money or you need something uh, at a really giant amount to be happy. The more you don't feel that, the more safer you are to receive it because it's not the answer to every part of your life. Like you can do this measurably in a relationship. You want the ultimate relationship? Feel a connection to yourself that's at least as big, if not bigger, than your connection to the person. Because if you choose a person that completes you, you're saying I'm incomplete without you. Yeah, so brilliant what you're saying, I love it. So it isn't, it's, it's everything, it's money or love, but any out there thing that we think right. will bring us um, deeper, uh, a deeper satisfaction is what's, what we're saying we're lacking in our relationship to ourself. So like you often talk about, at the bottom of this issue, at the heart of this issue is falling in love with ourselves and everything that arises and finding those parts of ourselves that we have deemed unlovable or unacceptable. Yeah, and falling in love with yourself can be such a cliche, yeah. like nothing sentence, mm -hmm. but there really is a way to do it that's probably not what we were looking at. There's a few ways that you can definitely find a higher level of connection to yourself. It's almost like just accept the moment is, is, a, is almost a better term than falling in love with yours because we all hear that. And that can bring in narcissism where you're just like, I love me more than everyone. That's not what I mean. Mm -hmm. I mean, <clears throat> finding a place in you that you are more about this moment and more connected to this moment than anything outside of you. And a few ways to do that, I find, are <clears throat> move towards things that expand your soul, not your ego's soul. I'm talking about your expansion. So to give you an example, let's say you're at a job that pays really well, but you don't like it. There's something in your soul that says there's something bigger than this. Like, I want to follow this calling that's bigger than this, right? But you can feel, I can measure, I'll lose a bunch of money. Yeah, but you can't see what you'll gain if you follow this thing, right? That's you saying yes to your heart more than the thing, right? Yeah. So that's one thing. Another thing is letting go of the things that are blocking you from you. There's a bunch of stuff we hang on to in our life or people that make us feel like shit or there's stuff in the garage that doesn't align with you. I have a rule that if I'm justifying keeping something in my life, I don't want it for real because you don't justify keeping the things you really love. I don't justify to anyone meditating. I don't justify keeping my daughter. Like I'm not like, yeah, she gets good medical, so I'll keep her in my life. But we do have things like, I hate this job, but I get a promotion soon. Uh, I hate that the way that person treats me, but we did have a nice time at the concert. You know what I mean? Like these moments that you come up with a, I don't want except for this, this is a sign to me it's time to let go of that. 
for me it is. Mm -hmm. The third thing is you learning to connect to you, being okay with you. Can you spend time with you for long periods of time without needing to pick up the phone or, or fill the time with something external? Like, can you just be without any external information, written, audio, whatever, being put in? Because you're then connecting consciously to the energy that's wanting to heal you. Mm -hmm. The more you do that, the more things can come into your life. Yeah. Yeah. When I was saying the loving yourself, it can sound like a bumper sticker or something, but that's the narcissistic part. But it's really more about loving what's arising moment to moment and how those triggers that come up and disappointments that come up are so rich for deepening our awareness to our essential self, to our essential goodness of who we are as a human being, to our creativity, to our self-expression, to our ability to love without having it be about an exchange of value, but having it be a real gift of seeing exactly how someone is and how they aren't and accepting them and loving them for just who they are. Right, right. So the more that you're connected to you and what you truly are, the more you don't need anyone else to change, the more you don't need the world to change even, which by the way, weirdly speeds up everyone's change because nothing makes you want to change less than having someone tell you to change. But if your ego isn't being told it's doing everything wrong, you suddenly can hear your own self and desire your own evolution and your own soul. So the more you're connected to you, the less you're fighting with other people, like you connecting to you is like the greatest thing you can do for your partner, for your kids, for everyone around you. It's the most important work there is. It's where the answers to everything are. Mm -hmm. And that's our job. And we're in a time where we're being forced to. And there's some people that are really fighting it and don't want to. And then there's some people that are like accepting it. And some people are going to get more addicted, more connected to each other in rage or hate. And then some people are going to expand to a place that is outside of the the world, the way it was like leaving the matrix, you know? Yeah. You know, especially, you know, I've been also doing fairly long meditations and, um, there's that place that particularly at the top and the bottom of the breath, where there's a sense of, stillness and spaciousness that happens and kind of a a sense of disappearing almost like it's the sound of the ocean or the electricity in the refrigerator or something like that and one of the things that i think is really important and this is a great time to be working on it while we're all under lock and key here is to begin to recognize that separation is a lie that everything affects everything else. And it's this othering and the sense of, I'm a separate self over here, rather than recognizing the profound interconnection of everything. Can you speak to that a little bit? Last night I went for a walk, or maybe it was two nights ago. And I was on my big thing where I'm just listening to silence and this feeling of massive aloneness came up. And I didn't have the ability to stop it from coming up with a distraction. So I just let it come up and kept coming up, coming up. And it hurt more, more. And because I didn't feed it 
and I didn't do anything to block it, it dissolved and I felt more connected than I'd ever felt. And it's so weird because the irony is on the other side of the illusion of alone was full on connection. There's no separation. People are like, I'd love to do your four hours a night thing, but I'd be so alone. I'm like, don't you feel alone now? Like we are under the illusion we're alone, even in relationships, even when we're in this place where we're, you know, the smaller story egoic structure is full of alone. Mm -hmm. It's full of the illusion of alone, whether you're in a relationship or, or with someone or not. And when I went for this walk and alone came up, and I let myself feel it and, and not do anything about it and let it be fully experienced and dissolved. And then I felt more connected, right? So <clears throat> one of the big things is, is the full on acceptance of what's coming up. And, and, it's, and a way we don't accept it is by distracting ourselves when it comes up. Let it come up and don't go to something. Don't distract yourself, don't anything. And you will discover that all separation, as you said, was a complete lie. And we're all connected, all of us. You're talking to you right now. People watching, you're listening to you have a conversation with you and you're here listening, right? So that's what's actually happening. There, the only thing that creates separation is the mind. The mind is the thing that comes up with labels that say, I am this, I am this much money, I am this gender, I'm this whatever, but many of those things can change and you still exist. Like you could say I'm a millionaire, but if you lose the money, you don't stop existing. So all of your IMs are usually followed by something that is a lie that separates you falsely from other people. Even the idea of naming people, like we were just given these names arbitrarily by our parents, but if you take the names off of Michael and Kyle, what is this? If you take the labels off of the plant behind you or <clears throat> the door and just see all this without a label, right? That's where the separation is. If you just tuned in, I'm talking to transformational comedian Kyle Cease. I had an experience the other day and one of the parts of separation, I wanted to share this with you anyway, this is as good a time as any. So I'm meditating and I have this like overwhelming feeling of shame. Hmm. And so I just was sitting with it and finding it in my body. Oh, yeah, it's, it's right here around my heart, you know, and I was feeling that. And I, I just went, well, I wonder what that's about. And I had this image of when my, my father married my stepmother and I was like six. And I remember he dropped me off on her step doorstep and left for two years. Uh, he was in the military, right? And I had this, well, feeling of not worthiness. And the story isn't even important. What happened, though, was I went back there in my imagination and I put my arms around that little child, that Mickey, the, my nickname when I was a child. And I just gave, just poured love on that six-year-old. You know, that's one of the ways that we complete things like that and integrate or digest the experience. But I had another experience that I hadn't had before, and that was about time. And I had a realization that, and this may sound really weird, but I had this realization that that going back to that child 
and loving it, the six-year-old, in the present moment, was why from six to now, I've had such a great life in many ways, because there is no sense of time. So I realized that going back then, I've actually healed a whole string. Yeah. I mean, I know it sounds bizarre to people, but you, you no. know what I'm talking about? It's like... Completely. Yeah, you actually rewrote your past. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like you're, you're, like I actually, I'll work with people and I'll have them go be with the child when it was abandoned or, or whatever their experience was. And they sit on the bed next to it and let the child cry when it's abandoned. I actually know that because they're in resistance to that up until that moment, we're actually rewriting their past. We're actually going for real back to that time and clearing that story. And now you are a person that doesn't have that history. Now you're a person that didn't have that problem. You free yourself of it through accepting. That's what's so amazing about the universe is it's like, I'm trying to take you to a place where all of that past story is not true. It doesn't exist. It's trying to take us up this way versus having this long linear bullshit story, right? So yes, it's wanting to immerse you into a higher version of yourself yeah. and, and put you into a place where you are, you, the, the ego comes up not so it can be judged and fixed. It comes up and the pain comes up. So we learn to love unconditionally. We learn to, all of our pain comes from, we're so in our heads that we are not letting these feelings come up and be held, this poor inner child that is being ignored 24 hours a day because you're trying to get the right amount of money for whatever or get someone to see. Like there's a in your body child that is- Not then, not then either, it's now in your body. Right, right. still there. Yeah. It has been abandoned for 40 years. Are you gonna look at it? Are you gonna hug it? Yeah. Right, like that's what this is. I think it was Robin Williams said, uh, uh, it's never late, too late to have a happy childhood. <laughs> I know Tony said it too. I don't know. I remember he said it at his events, but, yeah. but I'm sure Robin Williams also said it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> it is. It's never too late to have a happy childhood. That's true. Because where does your childhood exist? In your mind, in your nervous system. That's what's on that thing on the watch. That's what you're peeling off. Yeah. You can change your entire route and your entire childhood. Yeah. The, uh, in in uh, Greek, they have two words for time. One is chronos and the other is kairos. Mm-hmm. Chronos is like chronological time. But chronos is the kind of time we're talking about, the magical moment that everything exists in once. And in a kairos time, everything, it's like the fruit is ripe. The time is now, an idea whose time has come. And I think that meditation and mindfulness the practice of that puts us in that kind of Kairos time where we are, aren't any longer time bound. Mm-hmm. And, and speaking of that too, when you really do real transformational work, you have to transcend in a, in a way that's almost hard to measure because it's, it's healing at its pace. It's weirdly faster than anything and also slower than anything. Meaning like, kind of like a ripple in a pond versus a giant boulder in the pond. And, my, and our egos want to shift faster than they can and they delay the thing. But if you look at how, uni- how life works, when you let a scab heal, it heals so slowly that you can't see it. When you let watch a plant grow, you put a seed in a pot and you don't even see the first thing come out for 
weeks, right? Like you don't, right? So true transformation, like working out, you don't see results till like 60 days, right? Like these kind of things are actual transformation, mm-hmm. right? So we got to be basically when you're having real work done, you often can't measure results are happening, but they really are. And you don't see it as this big, loud, holy shit. Can you guys believe it? You actually change with the transformation. So often you can't see the change unless like you watch a video of yourself from a year ago, Mm. right? Because so, so it is in this process of letting this space heal you more than you healing you in an egoic sense. You did bring up transformation and I wanted to talk about that. It's an interesting word. Many people would say it's a nonlinear break in our reality. But when we go back to the bicycle analogy, the backwards bicycle, transformation often doesn't stick unless there are certain conditions. And I'm interested in what your thoughts are, like sharing it with someone else and having that bond where another person, like when I shared about the time thing, if somebody else heard that, they might begin to question time. Or if I I wrote about it, or talk about practices to help us to continue to create more space to more wholeness when we fall back on those patterns that are so deeply ingrained. Well, first of all, every fallback is still progress. I mean, when a child learns to walk, they're going to fall down a couple times in, a thousand times in, but they're going to fall down on the way. But even though they fell down, they're still doing better. <laughs> but, when we, but when we fall, while we're in the middle of transformational work, we still got to understand we're moving forward. It's still forward, as long as we're intentionally in alignment with the highest version of ourselves. I think part of what I mean is that <clears throat> there's all these ways that we measure on the way there that it's not working and that's not true, right? So when I listen to silence, this big thing I'm doing each day, some days I feel totally free. And then some days the next day I'm like, why do I feel all plugged up? Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, the reason is because it's deeper in my body and pulling out deeper stuff, but it feels like I'm going backwards, right? Yeah. Yeah, I wanna go back to yesterday. No, 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 you're still transforming even when it feels like shit. You're reaching new levels and new depths of what's been hidden and and suppressed. Right. Which is really, you know, pretty amazing when you think about the fact that like the healing of the hand when picking at it, but the healing of the psyche, when we have dissociated and when we suppressed those things, it it was a good thing because we were threatened at four or six or whatever. And a part of ourselves shut down automatically so that we could survive, so that we could continue on. And we think of like there's something wrong or bad that that, that happened, but right. really it's just, I think it's it's a miracle, really. Yeah, yeah. It's it's there's there's pain in it because we're shutting ourselves off from infinite source, but you have to when the two people raising you are gigantic creatures in your house that are yelling at you, abandoning you, telling you what to do, you start going, oh, that's God. And God is this very conditionally angry, stressed in their own way, 
being. I mean, there's great things about our parents too, but you get what I mean. Oh yeah. And not only that, also the ancestral patterns and all of the stuff that's been handed down. I mean, when you have a kid, you don't get it. You know this now. You just had one not long ago. And Vivi's, what, two and a half now? Uh, two and a half. And she's two and a half. So did you get an owner's manual when she came? Uh, yes. <laughs> okay, I want to hear about this. So Most parents don't know what the hell they're doing. And you're a little bit older than a lot of parents. Well, let's talk, you're, you're a fairly new parenting. Let's talk about parenting. You know, one of the things that I often talk about is how, you know, if you, you have a base, you know, you have a parental base and we have a, a, a will, an intention, we're born into this place and then we venture out a little bit and then we get scared and we come back and we get nourishment or we don't. We go back a little further, we get nourishment. But say for fear, which we started this conversation around, if we come back and say, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, daddy, I'm afraid. And daddy says, there's nothing to be afraid about. Get over it. It's just your imagination. There's nothing to fear. And, but you feel fear. And so that's a shutdown or you come back and, and mommy or daddy says, oh, it's okay to feel fear. You know, that, that's okay. We all feel fear. It's a really natural feeling. Then you're okay with your fear. So talk about this whole ah. thing in the context of parenting, you know? It's so interesting you say that because yesterday, Vivi, her mom, Christy, and I were on a walk and we were just walking and there was a guy wearing a mascot bear head and he's just across the street standing there aiming at us with a bare head on. Mm-hmm. I go, and of course I'm like on the fence on even showing Vivi this, but I was like, okay, Vivi, look, there's a, there's a guy in a bear suit. And we were explaining to her, it's not real, you know? Mm-hmm. And it scared her, you know? She, didn't, she just kind of wanted me to hold her hand and she was like scared. And she just, then I'm not kidding for the entire next hour, she was like, I was really scared and I saw the bear head and it was just like, I know, what'd you feel in your body? She said, she would say like, I felt really scared. It was in my tummy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my goodness, wow. And she goes, daddy, I want to talk about it. She kept saying that. Wow. And she was like, I, I saw a bear and it scared me so much. Dada, I want to talk about it. It was very scary. And it was like, yeah, I would be scared too if I saw a bear. But just so you know, that's a man wearing a bear mask. You know how you have to wear a mask when you go to the store? Well, that's what that is. The guy is wearing a mask now. But it's all pretend. She goes, yeah, it's all pretend. Mommy, I was really scared. I want to talk about it. It was like the most fun thing. But, <laughs> but our emotions need to be allowed. And whether we're two and a half or 40, when you aren't allowed to express your fear, like it's being pushed down. And, and one of the things that I did the other night in my four hours of pain, four hours of being with source was talk to God in pain. Like, God, I don't want to do this. I want to get through this. I want to get to the other side of it. I was talking through my fear to source in that moment. And it was amazing, you know? So like talking through the thing is a huge deal. And, and, allowing fear to be there. My daughter and anyone in my life is so allowed to be scared or be hurt. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes, you know, you might be like, God, it scared me when you said that. And then the person defends themselves too early. And they're like, 
Well, I had to because you did it. It's like, no, 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 let this person say the thing. They're not talking about you. They're talking about their fear, right? And if you can create a space for fear to be fully seen, felt, heard, mm -hmm. it'll be released. Interesting how much we tend to justify what we're doing, whatever it is. And one of the things I love that you talk about is living your tens. Like what's really essential and really calling to us? Often you talk about people having a job that they hate, but because it pays the mortgage and their child support or whatever, they're sticking at this job. Talk about the idea of living your tens. Yeah. So there's things in our lives that are just tens and they're things that they, they scare us on. And what I mean by that is vibrationally on a scale of one to 10, does it call to your soul? I love following my tens. My tens have got me a, crazy Comedy Central touring as a comedian career for 20 years. Then I followed my 10 and it said, I no longer want to be a stand-up comic. I want to combine it with comedy and transformation. Sometimes my 10s were perceivably wrong. Like I said, this relationship would be a 10 and it turned out it wasn't, but it was because of all the things I learned. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it needs to stick and go forever the same way. A 10 is your expansion and you can get into the wrong thing, but it was you expanding and showing yourself you trust you no matter what, right? And so for me right now, this thing I keep talking about, about my four hours a night is my biggest 10. It's blowing my mind to not interrupt my body and soul from connecting to spirit. And it's all that I care about. And there's times where friends want to call and hang out at night and, I, and, and, and that's a nine. I want to hang out with them. They're amazing people. I love them. But something in me is like, I got, to me, a 10 has magic on the other side that I, I didn't know existed. To me, a 10 is like, you, you, you go into a 10 when you can see, I can measure what I will lose here, but I can't see what I'll gain. And so I like to follow the feeling with, if I can see what I'll get out of it, it's too small. I have to not know what I'll get out of it. It's like an intention that shows faith. Like I understand I'll get more out of it if I'm not trying to measure what I'll get out of it. So most of us do things with the guarantee of what we'll get. And because of that, we'll take jobs that don't fulfill us because we can see the guarantee of the paycheck. But like, what about going for something that you don't know what you'll get out of it? What about, what will you become when you follow the feeling without getting the guarantee? Mm. I was just thinking as you were saying that because you brought up intention and mm -hmm. I think that's really important. And one of the things that we've talked about is the whole idea of uh, intending something, but being willing to let go of the outcome. Yes. And I think there's such power in training ourselves to embrace uncertainty and allow what wants to emerge that could be even better what, than what we're attending. Can you, can you speak to that? Well, think of how, this interview wouldn't go as well if I had all these points from the beginning I knew I needed to get in. Mm -hmm. Like I'd be in my head trying to remember what to do versus a flow-based true conversation here, right? Michael Beckwith had a great analogy about when you are aware that there's a surprise in the other room, like when it's Christmas morning and you come downstairs and you know there's presents and stuff and you don't know where stuff is. He goes, what if you lived your life like that? Like you're is, is the possibility in here? Is it in here? And you undo yourself from needing it to be a specific thing, but you're just like, life's trying to give me love and I'm just going to align to receive it. 
and it's trying to give me amazing in ways that I don't understand. So I'm going to disattach from what the specific result looks like, who the love of my life is. I'm going to disattach from what, how much the job pay. I'm going to detach from all that and I'm going to connect to being open to magic in all kinds of ways is always trying to show up. In that way, you end up much more surprised all the time. You're in this place where you're just like, oh, that was there. And oh, this, and you're sitting there thankful and thankful and thankful. The other day I was thinking about like manifesting something and I opened the door, I was in a car and a lot and someone was saying something about manifesting money and I was just like, I'm just gonna try it for the thing. And I was like, okay, so I got my, I opened the door, there's a quarter on the ground, right? It was just a quarter, but it was like, you see, like you're going, that's awesome. Now, if you're excited about things, you follow that excited vibration, you get way more of that. You see possibility and everything. You can even get to a place where life kicks your ass and knocks you on the ground and you're in a vibration of what could this mean for me? What is trying to have, what like every time life seems really bad, there's another part of me that's like, holy shit, what am I about to become? Mm. What is life trying to create or remove from me that no longer serves me and put me into a mission that's so powerful? What is that? You know, like, so imagine seeing every problem as an amazing opportunity. Imagine seeing joy in everything and undoing yourself from what it needs to look like because it's craziness to be like god i hope i get that job but there's a grillion jobs out there god i hope that person likes me but there is a better person maybe why are you so invested in what your ego wants when you don't understand life might have a better thing for you yeah right yeah oh totally totally get that i love the idea of waking up into surprise like you know being with your partner if you have one and go, whoa, who is this person? What's my day going to be like? Don't say Where? that to him though. Don't go, whoa, who is this person? Be pretty bad, but, yeah. Maybe you're in the wrong bed. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> who the hell are you? God, you can really screw with someone. Who are you? What do you mean? It's me. You know, another aspect, I think one of the things that allows us and helps us to be more present, more in the moment, when we're doing meditation or contemplation, what arises last Saturday when I took my afternoon, like six or seven hours of contemplation and meditation off on the cliff over the beach. And, and when I came back, I was so filled with gratitude. Mm. I was liking, I was like thanking all the bushes and all the trees. And what I saw there, Kyle, was that I was zeroing in on when I was grateful, it brought me so present. It was like, it magnified what was there. That tree was like tree, you know? Yeah. And so the practice of gratitude, I think is one of the great accesses or portals to presencing ourselves in the world. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, everything's, can you make, okay, like Michael Beckwith says the three stages of gratitude. One is the thankful for all the good things that you have, the things you perceive. Thank you for my car. Thank you for my spouse, whatever. Is the next level is when you can be thankful for your problems. God, thank you for this problem. What's it going to bring? What is? What am I supposed to learn? And the third thing is when you're thankful, period. Mm-hmm. You just like plants and trees are just doing their thing. And they're not trying to get somewhere. And they're not 
right? There's not a condition in their greatness and their thankfulness. That's, that's the third one. When you're just, because the more I meditate, the more I realize it's not a practice to be grateful. It's what I actually am. It just meditation and listening to silence enough peels away the, la the, the layers that are blocking the gratitude that you are. Mm. You end up just gratitude as your identity. I was thinking of Brother David. Have you ever um, listened to or, or been with Brother David Stendelrast? He's a 95-year-old Franciscan monk that uh -huh. lived, lived at Esalen for years. That's where I first met him and had him on. And, you know, when you're around someone that's that grateful, he's considered the world's, <laughs> strange title, the world's leading authority on gratefulness. And he's so the world's and, most grateful and, man. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I know. And, and that's Lynn Twist's teacher, Lynn, who started The Soul of Money and mm -hmm. who says what you appreciate, appreciates that that comes from Brother David. But it's just amazing. The Desmond Tutu is another one who's just always in this state of gratitude for everything. And one of the things, another person I thought of, I have all these people that are awesome on my show all the time, like you, was Brian Swim. I don't know if you know him. He's a uh -huh. cosmologist. A amazing, brilliant guy, not a cosmetologist, a cosmologist studies the universe. And he wrote this one, one of his books, which was the simplest book of all of his books, but it was called something like the universe is a green dragon. And it was, um, yeah, no, Brian Swim's amazing. But here's what, here's what the, the word that came up that really for me fits with gratitude. And Brian talks, you know, he's like this brilliant scholar and studied with Thomas Berry, another monk that one of the great writers of our time, Thomas Berry, the father of the environmental movement in many ways. He says allurement. He uses this word allurement. What, what is your allurement? What are you allured to? And when you're in a state of that gratitude presence, then there's something about being in that state that what you're attracted to is way bigger than the job, the money, the woman, the that. It's, it's more like a kind of soul sense of, of attraction, my allurement to this. I'm, I'm like magnetized to mm -hmm. it. I don't know, just thought of that in terms of the gratitude also. Such oh, a, yeah. Yeah. Such That's a, true. I mean to the end of our time, buddy, but um, I'd love it if there's, there's probably a million more things you could say, but is there anything that's really kind of essential that you might want to express here in the last uh, minute or so of our interview? It's really easy to transform. It might be painful, but it's really easy. Just don't get in the way of it. Yeah. You are a transforming, unique, energetic being, and there is a version of you that you've, for all of us, including me, that you've never seen before. So when we really surrender to source, it's going to remove these patterns that have been stuck in our body forever. But man, is there a God connection on the other side to that? And what you are to anyone watching is so incredible. And I dare you to prove me right. Mm. You are absolutely unbelievable and an infinite being. And we will have a very incredible, powerful, safe world the quicker you decide to step into your greatness and your, your genius that's already encoded, just stop filling your mind up with a bunch of crap. Yeah, and then check me out at kylecease.com. Yeah, absolutely. The absolute, we, have a, we have an absolutely everything pass that we're doing right now, which, and it is full on access. Every Wednesday night, we do a live call. 
I do a meditation on Sunday. They have access to all of our best old content. And then, so I'm doing calls and answering questions. Like tonight we're doing, we do it on Zoom now. We're switching to Zoom today from Crowdcast. And then Monday night we do the Calego Connection, which is this really amazing exercise I created with a friend, Diego, where we literally, you talk about your future as if it's past tense. So if we took this call we're doing, Michael, and we made it past tense, and I was like, do you remember a year ago, Michael, when I was on that call with you? And ever since then, I just connected to myself even more and let more and more of my old story be purged. And I just felt so free. And I don't know, we had so much fun and we got out of the coronavirus and everything was amazing. And they found all the people that secretly created that coronavirus and totally they were arrested and then we forgave them too. Do you remember that? <laughs> I totally remember that. And it's absolutely awesome to be with you, Kyle Cease. I just love you, my brother, and I love the work you're doing. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on Conversations. I love you too, man. You have a great show. You have a huge heart. Honored to be with you and can't wait to do more of these. Thank you. We Earth Radio is an independently produced program supported by listeners like you. We are committed to bringing you leading-edge thinkers in the areas of environmental restoration, social justice, conscious evolution, and spiritual fulfillment. If you would like to receive our complimentary newsletter, The Well of Light, make a contribution, or listen to any of our past shows, go to our website, welloflight.com. Thank you so much for your commitment to a world that works for all life.